The time has come, Gypsy. You stand upon the brink of the abyss. Yet even now, it is not too late. I can save you from the flames of this world and the next. Choose me or the fire. Enjoy the show. The Gypsy Esmeralda has refused to recant. This evil witch has put the soul of every citizen in Paris Come on, Quasi, snap out of it! Your friends are down there. It's all my fault. You gotta break these chains! I can't. I tried. What difference would it make? But you can't let Frollo win. He already has. So you're giving up? That's it? These chains aren't what's holding you back, Quasimodo. Leave me alone. Okay. Okay, Quasi. We'll leave you alone. After all, we're only made out of stone. We just thought maybe you were made of something stronger. All right, welcome back. Happy Halloween, bro. Happy Halloween. Today How are you? Is October 31st? Devil's Night? Or 2018. Was that last night? I think, no, Devil's Night is the night of Halloween's Eve. Tomorrow is Hallows, I guess. Mm, yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. So tonight is Devil's Night, I suppose. So yeah, it's been a little while. And I feel like we're I'm getting more comfortable because, you know, our audience so far are really nice people. Are and they? like, yeah, well, I mean, I we I did not get the blowback that I thought we might get with the Gremlins 2 episode. Oh. And like the big hit when it came to our conversation about guns. Oh. I was like, man, I think we're, you know, we Guns. have a lot of patient individuals listening to us. We got a very nice compliment from a handsome Latin American man named Rudy. Oh, yeah? He said that he enjoyed our show. <laughs> he did, he did, uh, absconce me. Is that proper, proper English for saying that I was saying transforming? Admonish. Admonish. Abscond means to go away from. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh, you are so smart. Like before so you before you abscond from my house today, I was going <laughs> to ask for your help moving a piece of furniture. Ah, um, I shall do that before I abscond. Absconce? I don't know if that's a word. I know sconce is a word. Sconce is like a decorative thing you put on the wall. And that, I know that because a girl I dated in New York <laughs> had a literal shit fit that I didn't get her one when she asked me to. What? So I'll never forget that. I shouldn't say literal shit fit. She didn't shit her pants or anything, but it was, as far as red flags go, it was pretty bright. I think that's the first time that I thought about shit fit literally. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said it, I thought this is not the right way. This is not the right phrasing, but. Ew. Yeah, I got if the If anybody across. had a shit fit, it I've would be like. It, one... I, oh, no, I've seen it happen. You can Google it. It's, there's YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, before we get into um, the movie here. And I don't think, I think the last thing that we said was we're not keeping it secret. No. We'll shroud it in a little mystery. This movie came out in 1996 Six. or 94? 96. 96. Okay, 96. I believe it was the 34th Disney animated feature. Yes. To say it flew kind of under the radar, even though it made a lot of money, is a bit of an understatement because I had honestly forgotten it existed until you suggested it. Right. I had never seen it, watched it half last night at like 1 a.m. while I was waiting to see if a possum was <laughs> stuck between the planter boxes. He crawled in there and I felt really bad because I took the dog out to go to the bathroom and we scared him. He hangs around there all the time and he quick clamored in between the planter boxes on the deck, but he's putting on his winter weight so he sort of had to struggle and his little feet were kicking and eventually he you know wedged himself in there but i thought man is he stuck so i watched him for about three hours checking on him and checking on him checking on him he didn't really move 
I poked him with a broom, and the whole time I'm like, "This is he's a possum, so he's good at this, <laughs> playing dead, and I don't know what's going to happen. Long story short, uh, he got out, and I was up till about 3 o'clock in the morning, but I did watch half of this movie, and then I finished it up this morning. And all of the questions I had last night when I went to bed mm-hmm. remain unanswered. Really? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> right. I, don't know, I don't know if questions is the best way, but just more like, and it's not even nitpicks, it's more like things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> About this movie. Okay. So, what movie are we talking about? We're talking about The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Disney's Hunchback, which, like I said, for me, flew completely under the radar. It was... Be- what What was it between? Lion King and Aladdin? 96? No, Aladdin was 92. So, Lion King and... Lion King and Toy like Story. The, yeah, the birth of Pixar. Okay, so so this was the last. So this okay. So that's even more interesting. That's so this is like the last old school Disney animated feature. It's probably Tarzan. Oh, that's right. And then there was a Frog Princess. Princess and the Frog. Like princess and the right. Frog. But this one, like, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like Pixar came and the game changed. So this, to me, th- when I was watching it, it struck me very, very much like Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, the obvious similarities. France and castles and stuff like that. <laughs> Belle also makes an appearance. I, yep, I did. I did read that, and then I noticed it. Right, and it was actually the, pretty noticeable. The carpet from Aladdin. I didn't see that one. The carpet from Aladdin is or in the Pumbaa same the same scene. Pumbaa's being, I guess, eaten. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. Notice that. He was supposed to be like, he's on a spit and he's like being carried through the, I mean, he didn't, he's apparently still alive in the scene, but he's about to meet his end. That's terrible. So Disney's Hunchback, do you say it Notre Dame or Notre Dame? I say Notre Dame. All right. I'm going to say it Notre Dame just so we appeal to both parts of the audience. Notre Dame's super Cleveland. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's, yeah. (laughs) We're going to go ahead and play the trailer for the movie. Mm-hmm. And while we do, I'm going to... Are you going to join on this one, or is that just a one-time deal? I wasn't planning on it, but I can. Sure, man. I'll get you a pencil. So I mean, I have a full notebook. And, oh. Yeah. oh but yeah, right. if I will so we're going to go ahead and play the trailer, and I'm going to... Uh, well, we're both going to write a haiku describing the movie. And a haiku, of course, dates back to prehistoric caveman times when Japanese cavemen would draw on the walls and try to amuse each other with dirty pictures. Uh, and when that didn't work, they would write poems. That's <laughs> actually the that's actually the, the true history of haikus. So here we're going to go ahead and play the trailer for Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, and then we will be right back. Coming this summer from Walt Disney Pictures. Up there, high, high in the dark bell tower, lives the mysterious bell Good morning. If I picked a day to fly, oh, this would be it. I'll be spitting feathers for a week. Well, that's what you get for sleeping with your mouth open. He lived a solitary life behind stone walls. Remember Quasimodo? Yes, Master. This is your sanctuary. Here it is, the moment you've been waiting for. Outside was a world he had only dreamed of. Look at that disgusting display. Yes, sir. Until he met Esmeralda. Well, you're not hurt, are you? No, no. By the way, great mask. The woman who would open his eyes to adventures he never imagined. Oh, he's got a friend with him. Leave this place. You don't know what it's like out there. Nobody wants to stay cooped up here forever. Come with me. You're right. I'll go. Way to go, lover boy. A guy so swell. A guy like you. This summer, share the feeling. Why? 
women and some. Join the fun. Pour the wine and cut the cheese. Sit. Whoa! Back here, gypsy! And live the adventure. What a woman. Arrest her. No! How dare you defy me? Hang on! I think that cavalry's here. Walt Disney Pictures presents an all-new animated motion picture event. The story of one extraordinary human being. She's very lucky to have a friend like you. Discovering the magic within himself. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay, so that was the trailer for Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. You want Notre me to go Dame. first? You want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. You're, you're better Haiku. at it, so we'll five, save the... I wouldn't say that. Five, seven, five... Uh, syllable count, Japanese caveman poetry haikus, go. All right. Quasimodo said, the bell ringer of Paris? Is he king of fools? Mine was a little <laughs> less deep. <laughs> hey, Quasimodo, who's that sarcastic gargoyle? It's George Costanza. <laughs> Which was the first thing I noticed and had to Wikipedia about the movie was that the voice of the gargoyle was, it, it struck me as one of those like, that's a familiar voice. Who is that? And if I would have thought about it a little longer, I'm sure I would have landed on George Costanza. But oh, yeah. right away, I, I felt the need to, to look it up. And sure enough, George Costanza provides the, there were three gargoyles and he was the witty kind of dullard one. Then there was a weird old lady gargoyle who had weird saggy stone boobs that- <laughs> Laverne? Just, but, but so did the other gargoyles. So it was like they, I don't know exactly what what they were trying to do there because it was a very noticeable feature in the gargoyles but when she spoke because she had an old lady voice and was drawn like an old lady from the neck up it struck me as very much like you know two tube socks with tennis balls in them type boobs not hanging. to not to bring it down yeah but obviously this is gonna be it's gonna be a sad one but uh she died during filming and oh they really had to find a somebody with a similar voice that could who was she like i, I saw her name and stuff i have no idea she, who that lady is uh she was in sister act she was the the carmungeny nun hmm. the one that uh whoopi goldberg takes over for the one that was not doing well running the chorus interesting she was also in white christmas as the uh general's wife who's like one. trying to help out with the in in and now she's a gargoyle and now she's a gargoyle and then they had to find somebody that could mimic her voice to do and apparently there's a hunchback in notre dame notre dame I can, i'm notre dame mm-hmm. notre dame 2 which i have never yes about. i did notice that too and they're all back for it like it was straight to dvd but i noticed and this is one of the things we'll talk about that demi moore was back for that which never i don't know happened. why it strikes me as beneath her though what really has she done lately <laughs> <laughs> that's of note fun piece of trivia yeah this is the second movie that demi moore dances in in 96 to entice men that's true <laughs> though burt reynolds is not the um the target of her uh her seduction no r.i.p right yeah rest in peace burt reynolds so this show is designed to highlight movies that we feel kind of get a bad i forget is it rep or rap we talked about this like every show and i can never remember rep rep Reputation. Rep. so in this case like the movie made money i saw that it was kind of received favorable ratings by critics but 
like I said, and I don't know, I was how old in 96, 15, so I probably wasn't too concerned with Disney at the time, but like this movie I just completely forgot about until you until you mentioned it. And upon watching it, like I wouldn't even say this movie was not bad. I would say this movie was pretty good. This but that I well the reason why I floated it is cuz I always say this is my favorite Disney movie of all time. Hmm. But it, actually, I want to do like a mini sode coming up sooner or later about like the critics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um this isn't our most depending on which critics site you look at. This isn't our best uh-huh. received movie. Right. Sometimes uh uh, boiler Room right. surpasses it. Sometimes Small Soldiers or The Chase. <laughs> right, right. The reason why this movie spoke to me, one, is Disney. So I do an after-school program with kids. And one day, every Friday, we show the kids a movie. And one day, I put out three films. I put out Enchanted. I put down Pocahontas. And then I put down Alice in Wonderland. And a fourth grade the old boy. one? The animated one? Yes. Oh. And then I don't necessarily like any of these live action remakes. No, well, I was bummed out, and I mentioned that specifically because I saw that it was on, what's ABC Family called now? Freeform. Freeform. I saw that, <laughs> I just saw the name Alice in Wonderland was on Freeform, and um, I was so bummed out to find that it was the live action Tim Burton one instead of the animated one, right. which I love. I could talk about the, the hookah caterpillar, like, for days. <laughs> That's... I love that. They're so good. And, you know, so then I put all those three out and a fourth grade boy comes up to me and he goes, Mr. S., why why all girls? Why why can't oh, we yeah. get a boy movie? And I was like, that that's funny. And I was like, there are boy Disney movies, but they never got the recognition. You mean boys as like the main protagonist? Yeah, okay. the person that you're following. So you got like Hercules. Yeah. You which I you know forgot about that one too. Right. And then you have uh what's the one with the two No, that's Dreamworks. Um Lion King, technically. Yeah, but they're lions. I mean Aladdin too. I'm just tearing apart your theory. You are. Never Sorry, mind. I'll stop. I, yeah, go I ahead, guess I could do Boy Friday the next time. But uh, so Hunchback, the reason why it spoke to me so much is because back in high school when this came out, I did not like to go. I was very self-conscious. Mm-hmm. I did not like to go. Like, I felt like if I wasn't the first person at the party and the last one to leave, somebody was talking at, about me at that party disparagingly. Okay. That was like a form of my social anxiety, really, that I had. Okay. So to have a Disney movie where the main character, Frollo, was kind of like his, his you know, his mental thoughts just bashing him down. Well, Frollo, so like explain, because I'm guessing that not a lot of people who listen to this show will have, some people probably have, are not familiar with not just the movie, but the story as well. So All right. Frollo is, so to start from the beginning, <laughs> if I'm recall, if I'm, if I'm quarterbacking this correctly, Frollo like he's like a judge. He's a judge in Paris. Right. He's the evil, evil bad guy, and he's terrifying to me. I thought he was one of like the scariest because he kind of. I, I feel like he approached the last human bad guy. I guess before this one would have been either. I guess it would have been Jafar. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Jafar was cartoonish in his appearance and in his. Well, his best friend was mannerisms, a and he had the parrot and all that. <laughs> before that, it was Gaston who was a little more realistic, but still sort of, like, characterized in his, like, oafishness and dumb and all that. Right. But Frollo was a corrupt judge who was just wicked and terrifying, like, to the core. Good morning, Quasimodo. Oh, good morning, master. Dear boy, whomever are you talking to? My friends. I see. And what are your friends made of, Quasimodo? Stone. Can stone talk? No, it can't. That's right. 
You're a smart lad. Now, lunch. Shall we review your alphabet today? Oh, yes, Master. I would like that very much. Very well. A. Abomination. B. Blasphemy. C. C contrition. D. Damnation. E. Eternal damnation. Good. F. Festival. <coughs> Excuse me. F forgiveness. You said festival. No! You are thinking about going to the festival. I it's just that you go every year. I am a public official. I must go. But I don't enjoy a moment. Thieves and cut purses, the dregs of humankind, all mixed together in a shallow, drunken stupor. I didn't mean to upset you, Master. Quasimodo, can't you understand? When your heartless mother abandoned you as a child, anyone else would have drowned you. And this is my thanks for taking you in and raising you as my son. I'm sorry, sir. He was drawn in a way that was very unsettling. He was very like, like I pictured him very much like if Ichabod Crane grew up, it would be, he would roll. And he just had like the bags under his eyes and the pointy nose and the, the voice. I looked up the, the voice actor and it was somebody I didn't recognize, but the voice Tony was Tony J. Yeah, the voice was just really right on. And so anyway, Frollo captures a bunch of gypsies at the beginning of the movie mm -hmm. and tries to execute them or does execute them. Well, yeah, he... Captures him. Right. And then he kills Quasimodo's mother That's on the right. steps of Notre Dame. On the steps of the cathedral. And the archdeacon or mm -hmm. the, comes out and condemns Frollo. And Frollo, through the fear of God, sort of adopts Quasimodo. He sends him to live in the bell tower, like, as a baby. He it's says, like a half-ass adopting. Kind of, yeah. I mean, he, he more he more just sort of, like, he obtains Quasimodo. He's like, I'll homeschool this kid, <laughs> but you like got to house it. Yeah, exactly. And so he sends him up into the bell tower with the archdeacon like still presiding over the cathedral and then we fast forward and Quasimodo's like 20 years old and he rings the bells he looks down on the people and to be honest I had not considered the fact that Frollo and all the terrible things he says and does to Quasimodo is representative of Quasimodo's own psyche mm -hmm. and that makes sense because Quasimodo is very apologetic for Frollo and very innocent in terms of like trying to love him because he all he's ever right and it's a very it's a it's a very abusive relationship and it kind of goes to show you how how people can be formed by the people that raise them absolutely like he's he's a very nice guy albeit you know he's not not the prettiest to look at quasimodo is neither is frollo like you said and then he just looks down on the city and he sees everybody, and he sees everybody for what they are, except for Esmeralda, Esmeralda when he discovers her. But every he's like, I want to be out there. I want to be where everybody is fighting and not getting along. Because you know what it reminded me of? You remember how we used to watch the South Park movie in college, like every day? Yeah. It reminded me of the Satan song. Where he's yeah. Like up there where the flowers <laughs> bloom. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Nice. But um. So yeah. So Quasimodo looks down. So Esmeralda and her like gypsy convoy show up. Well, Frollo has it out for the gypsies. He sees That's, them as freeloaders right, and thieves. Right. But somewhere in the story, he also becomes like super infatuated with Esmeralda. Right. And he sings this really weird song about her. Beata Maria, you know I am a righteous man. Of my virtue, I am justly proud. Beata Maria. 
you know I'm so much purer than the common, vulgar, weak, licentious crowd. Then tell me, Maria, why I see her dancing there, why her smoldering eyes still scorch my soul. I feel her, I see her, the sun caught in her raven hair is blazing in me out of all Like fire, hell fire, this fire in my skin, this burning desire is turning me to sin. Hellfire? It's very, yeah, it's a very, very weird scene <laughs> where he like sings in front of a fireplace and dancing shadows and he's like, because he's old, he's like, picture him, he's like 60 or 70, and she's probably like 20 or something like that. So it's a very, there was a very, there's, again, a lot of things to unpack. There's a part of like the old, in the old book where the gypsies could dance and they could entrance you with spells and oh, whatnot. Okay. All right. Um, and so when they're at the Festival of Fools, Esmeralda gets on stage and she does the dance where she, that's when she first, well, she shows Quasimodo kindness. Mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden she's an angel oh, that's to him. Right, because he goes down to the festival, like on his own. Right. right. The gargoyles tell him to go. Yeah, because he tells Frollo like, he wants to go to festival, and then and Frollo's like, "You can't go down there. You're right. ugly. You you need to stay in here because this is where you're safe." Mm-hmm. And so Quasimodo gets told by the gargoyles who can move, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess Frollo just assumes that Quasimodo's up there rearranging gargoyles. <laughs> True, yeah, okay. <laughs> and so he goes down to the festival, and he gets, you know, of course, he pick, chooses the wrong rope to swing from, and he gets thrown in front of the crowd and Esmeralda and everything like that, and she shows him kindness, but she thinks it's a mask. Right. That that part made me sad when she pulls on his face. <gasps> That's no mask. It's his face. He's hideous. It's the bell ringer from Notre Dame. Or no, when she looks at him and says, great mask, right. by the way. Because it's right at the end of this great interaction between them where she... It's almost more meaningful that she goes through that whole interaction and doesn't acknowledge his physical appearance. And then at the end, they punctuate it with, oh, by the way, great mask. So yeah, so okay, so... So, and then she dances mm-hmm. at the festival, and that's where Frollo starts... His interest starts getting peaked. Okay. Because he's really... I mean, he, that guy is not a lover. He, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's just like an old pervert. Right. Kind of, yeah. Like, he almost, you know... He he wants to collect her. That's where he gets entranced by her. And then the third person, the third guy that she has fallen in love with her is Phoebus. He sees her fighting the guards. And that's what he's like, oh, I like this girl. Right. I wouldn't even call it a love triangle because, like I said when we were watching the trailer, I think this is a movie that really, really hits home when it comes to anyone who's ever been put in friend zone. <laughs> I guess we can jump to the end where essentially, I mean, it's not a big surprise. The bad guy dies and Mm -hmm. he's the, from what I recall, the third bad guy to fall off of a castle into a fire pit or something like that. That seems to be the only way Disney kills people. Right. As what I'm at least this way. They like, they super foreshadow it like throughout the entire film. How did Jafar die in Aladdin? He's the one I can't remember. Jafar. Because I'm thinking of Gaston fell off the castle. Um, I see Jafar growing. Scar fell off the rock. He gets like thrown into the horizon, doesn't he? I don't know. So anyway, I was going to say, so the movie ends with 
And this is, I guess, a nice way to do the friend zone dynamic, but it's sort of implied that the captain and Esmeralda are a thing now. Right. And Quasimodo, who's been like Esmeralda's BFF the whole movie, essentially, he... Whiny BFF. Well, rightly so. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he... um, He's not he's not involved with her, but he's accepted by the town, right? Which is nice. Which is a good sort. Which of that's like, his arc, you know. That's what he wanted from the get. He I didn't want a, a girl. Yeah, I guess that's that's a good point. He did not want he the girl. The concept of a girlfriend was foreign to him, opposed to the concept. Being, so that's a good point. And the uh, the reason why I like when Phoebus ends up with her is because Phoebus is the only one that saw her for what she is. That's you true, know, true. like Quasimodo put her on that high pedestal that like is supposedly very dangerous to relationships because the person's never going to meet that right. that high goal frollo of course saw her as an evil wicked woman that he just kind of wanted to do and smell her hair from behind right um so he was like the creepy version and phoebus is the one that was like oh no she is strong she is powerful she is witty she is good-hearted like Mm -hmm. that's that's the woman for me so the fact that she ends up with him like home run esmeralda good job okay that's fair that's a good analysis i'm Um, I'm glad we're unpacking this i'm hoping i I can. (laughs) i just felt like when like and i I saw it coming and i was wondering kind of how they actually i shouldn't say that i was i was i was intrigued as to how they were going to unwind i've never read the book i'm kind of curious right but me too i was intrigued as to how if they were going to just take it full circle and he was gonna end up with her or i guess my gut was leaning toward yeah she's gonna end up with captain and um quasimodo is gonna be like their little mascot friend kind of who's got what he wants so i don't know this was the first disney movie leave you not only have so many religious undertones but to do them not even undertones overtones i guess because it was pretty explicit right really really like paint the catholic church as like a source of fear and a source of both fear and redemption but also like like that was a bit the catholic church was almost a character in the movie right well and that's why not to jump forward to like reviews and whatnot but this is why they say a lot of that this movie went under the radar is because the church uh, tried to kill it the church said boycott uh, it um and interesting. so it wasn't it wasn't received positively by the religious figures because they didn't think that the religion although you know like god help the outcasts is i think one of my favorite religious songs (laughs) i don't know if you can hear me or if you're even there i don't know if you would listen to a gypsy's prayer Yes, I know I'm just an outcast I shouldn't speak to you Still I see your face and wonder Were you once an outcast too? God help the outcasts Hungry from birth Like I said, the religion in this movie is very... I mean, I I read a stat, I think, that, like, there are more mentions of, like, God and religion. Damn and hell and... Hell and all that sort of thing in this movie than there were in the previous 33 Disney movies (laughs) combined. Which, when you think about it, I mean, Snow White isn't necessarily rooted in... No. Catholic, (laughs) you know. um, Well, I mean, that could be settled. Like, they always said the apple that is offered is like ah, the garden okay. of eden yeah i guess you could probably find some symbolism all over the place but this there. one they definitely you know swung for the fences yeah and for the most part they i mean they really captured probably what the sentiment was 
at that time. I mean, very extreme fear and of of God's wrath and all mm. that sort of stuff. Well, and so, apparently in the original novel, spoiler alert for anybody that wants to read the novel, maybe skip forward fair, fair. Nice twice. Um, in the original novel, Frollo is a bishop. And right. so they were like, well, we don't want to make him that, we don't want to be that, you know, carmogeny against the religious uh, yes, aspect. Yes, so yes, they made yes. him a judge. Yep. Um, and going back to what you said before about how are they going to end it up, Quasimodo dies in the original novel at wow. the end. Well, I'm just... <laughs> the final shot was going to include Esmeralda and Phoebus crying over their best friend as the people of Paris cheer for their success, unaware of Quasimodo's death. So they... So in the and then fade out. <laughs> so yeah, fade to black. Cue credits. Kids go home. Cue, talk about it with cue, your parents. <laughs> cue Randy Newman title song. Who's Bambi? <laughs> so um, so in the book they the, the townspeople don't even know he exists or they don't even know he saved the day. They don't know he saved the day. Oh, that's terrible. so he never gets his redemption. I guess. You know, one thing I read too, <laughs> upon diving a little deeper in here, was that Victor Hugo, the original. Uh, author of the, the, the mm-hmm. story, his like great 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 grandchildren like came out and vehemently condemned this movie right. on the basis of like commercialism and blah blah blah. And I read that they there was some statement that they said where it was like how how tragic that such a work of art has been plastered with posters and blah 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 money this and blah blah blah. And then I read that they were like his like I said great 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 some nth degree great grandchildren, mm. and I was just kind of like, "Shut the fuck up!" Right? <laughs> like, like, who cares? This Come is on. bringing more attention to the great work of art. That That's like did. me saying, "Oh yeah, George Washington is my cousin," <laughs> because on Ancestry.com I got a leaf like ten tangents. And in. how dare we soil his memory on the one dollar bill? Yeah. He is a great <laughs> general. That man is a hundred dollar bill worthy. We're getting off track. So. <laughs> So one of the things, okay, so here's a question. So Esmeralda, I thought, there was a split second when I thought, wow, they killed Esmeralda because she, they painted her like, um, they, they drew her like she was blue and kind of like cold and icy mm-hmm. looking like she was dead. She didn't take water. He, he it, it, it was done in a way where like he goes to fight in the end battle at the church and sort of just leaves her and then comes back to tell her that they won. Right. And you don't. Like, you sort of lose track of her in that time. We've done it, Esmeralda. We've beaten them back. Come and see. Esmeralda, wake up. You're safe now. Esmeralda? Oh, no. How did she fall into that, like, coma? She got For burned. She got. She was about to get burned at the stake. Then she got rescued. And then next thing I know, she's, like, on a cot in the bell tower. I mean, it was just, like, smoke inhalation okay. and all that. So, all right. So nothing out of the ordinary. No. So it was just, like, she was in shock. Oh, but, I mean, this is where everything starts. I mean, there's a lot of, like, what I like about the film is it goes from, and this is kind of Victor Hugo in general, because we just saw Les Mis last mm-hmm. night on stage. And there's a lot of darkness to him, but there's also, a, like, he does do a lot of, like, comedic relief in very strategic places but when this film goes dark there's no there's no coming back from it (laughs) like you got jason alexander floating around and everything like that but as soon as he says we're gonna burn her at the stake you're like (laughs) you killed her it was my duty 
horrible as it was, I hope you can forgive me. There, there, Quasimodo. I know it hurts. But now the time has come to end your suffering forever. <gasps> Listen to me, Quasimodo. No, you listen. All my life you have told me that the world is a dark, cruel place. But now I see that the only thing dark and cruel about it is people like you. So, like, Topsy Turvy is a very funny run amok song mm. that they do at the Festival of Fools. Mm-hmm. And the festival is, that's <laughs> actually where they start pulling off people's faces to, right. because they're making silly faces and masks. And that's when uh, Esmeralda tries to pull right, off Quasimodo's right, right. face. And everybody's like, <gasps> it's, it's, not, it's not a mask, it's his face. And everybody's mm. surprised by that. And then Clopin, who's mm-hmm. my favorite narrator, who I actually will say is a better narrator and opener of a Disney film than Robin Williams in Aladdin. So, and then he's like, guys, this is, we wanted the ugliest person in Paris. This is it. You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. meet your king of fools. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody is happy. And then one guard throws a tomato. Oh, yeah. And the crowd loses their shit. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Like, hog tie him down and everything like that. They're like, well, this is what we're doing now. That scene bummed me out. There were two <laughs> scenes that really bummed me out. That was one of them, and the one where he, where Frollo ties him back up in the bell tower, but with chains, mm-hmm. like like a lot of chains, this like spider's web of chains that was so cat. But yeah, the part where they put him basically on a like a spinning platform and tie him down and, and just throw food, food at him. Yeah, that was that was messed up. And that's when Esmeralda shows up <clears throat> with her little knife, and she has a tête-à-tête with uh, Frollo. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where Frollo gets his infatuation from is okay. because this woman is going to challenge him. Mm-hmm. And so he needs to pretty much conquer her. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, you know, he doesn't desire her. Like, he just, he wants to conquer her or kill her. That's very, that's very masculine. And so one of my favorite parts of the film is that when he, when he's saying, you need to get down, you need to respect my authority. And she keeps talking and he's like, silence. And she puts her hand in the air with the knife in it and she goes, justice. I'm like, oh, man. Don't be afraid. I'm sorry. This wasn't supposed to happen. You, gypsy girl, get down at once. Yes, Your Honor. Just as soon as I free this poor creature. I forbid it. How dare you defy me. You mistreat this poor boy the same way you mistreat my people. You speak of justice, yet you are cruel to those most in need of your help. Silence! Justice! Mark my words, Gypsy. You will pay for this insolence. Then it appears we've crowned the wrong fool. The only fool I see is you. This is one of the first things that I texted you about when you said, isn't Demi Moore the gypsy lady? Mm-hmm. Do you think that would fly today, or do you think there would be a ton of backlash casting? Is Demi Moore? Yeah. Not Demi Moore, but uh, like a white actor. I mean, gypsies are kind of like, they're Hungarian, aren't they? See, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't look into that too much. I would imagine that they came, I mean, gypsy is like a traveler, right? So couldn't they come from anywhere? Yeah. Hungarian. I mean, the Spanish, European. 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 Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose maybe, I mean, the way she was drawn, she was drawn with 
like darker kind of olive skin. Right. Stuff. Yeah, she was very more Mediterranean. Yeah. So um, I, I, the first thing that I don't know, and I don't know why that was the first thing I thought, but like I, I, I could just see a huge like pointless uproar over. Oh, they were whitewashing the hunchback. True, but everybody's supposed to be Parisian. But again, she's a gypsy, so we don't kind of right. know where she comes from. Yeah, no. Unless they said it and I missed it. I do believe that uh, gypsies are Eastern European descent. I would, based on what I know from Borat, I believe that to be true. So, yeah. <laughs> That's where all of our knowledge comes from. <laughs> yeah, so, so what else was in this movie? Like you mentioned, and I thought that this was um, rather poignant. You mentioned that this movie appealed to you because growing up sort of insecure in middle school and high school. And I can relate to that. I think I was more oblivious to sort of like how goofy I looked <laughs> as opposed to like concerned with it and bothered by it. And now I don't, I didn't say I looked goofy. I'm sorry. How goofy <laughs> I perceived myself say that because we didn't know each other until high school so i didn't know, right I don't, I don't know what your deal was in middle school. i don't think my i don't think my anxieties happened until i was about 16 years old okay so like sophomore junior year yeah okay and then that they really hit hard and so that's exactly kind of when this movie could come out and well that makes sense i'm i'm actually i i, I found myself because because we're both sort of in a situation we're going back to school one way or another and we're probably going to be interacting with people who with students who are there for the first time younger who mm. are where we once were and i find myself i'm in class with a lot of like sophomores freshmen and stuff like that and i remember how sort of concerned with that's that kind of stuff appearance and like the anxiety that came along with that i was maybe in the first or second year of college and now it's just like going into those classes like i could not bless a single thing <laughs> than just going in getting an a and like leaving to go have my life right and it's really i mean it's kind of i, I, won't, I don't want to like romanticize the movie too much and say oh, it spoke to me on that level but i'm definitely in a different place now and i suppose this is a good thing than i was in high school. yeah so true i suppose that's what you can hope for <laughs> in terms of in terms of when it comes to like you know anxiety and perception there's a lot more just like don't give a fuck now than there was definitely in <laughs> well that's a good thing and possibly in college so i just the, think um, like before inside out dealt with mental I issues never saw inside out i mean that one that i kind of am afraid to see it, it literally it's a sledgehammer over the head yeah. when it comes to like you know mental issues yeah where this one i think this is the first disney film that dealt with the inner turmoil of not fitting in i kind of want to watch it again now that you said that frollo represents quasimodo's mm-hmm. i didn't pick up on that and i don't know if that's you know uh, no i mean even if it's not like what they intended it's you could case for it for right sure. because like we said at the beginning quasimodo like the the thing with like depression and anxiety is that a person who has it is and i can say that they do <laughs> a person who has it is very sort of apologetic to those demons or about those demons and that's exactly how quasimodo was with frollo like he didn't go so far as to say like oh frollo's not a bad guy but he would kind of stick up for him he would assume that frollo had his best interest in mind right and tried to make like he he saw him as a father and even if your father or your caretaker or even your friend is like a piece of shit it's still your friend right it's still your person in your life that you care about and he just didn't know any better and i think like the song that stands out for me in this film is uh is when they sing over each other and you know frollo's like remember what i told you quasimodo you are deformed and he goes i am deformed and you are ugly and i am ugly and these are things which the world show little pity of. remember what i taught you quasimodo you are deformed. I am deformed. And you are ugly. And I am ugly. And these are crimes for which the world shows little pity. You do not comprehend. You are my one. 
defender. Out there they'll revile you as a monster. I am a monster. Out there they will hate and scorn and jeer. Only a monster. Why invite their calumny and consternation? Stay in here. Be faithful I'm to faithful. me. Grateful I'm grateful. Do as I say. Obey and I'll stay in here. Like the fact that Frollo is almost speaking for Quasimodo, mm-hmm. you know, and and taking him over is horribly depressing. Yeah, that's that's it's, that's exactly that's that makes me want to like research more into the like the theme story because that's exactly what it is. Brain telling you all these lies, mm-hmm. and that's exactly. And that's, and that's he struggles really, with really it good. throughout the you know even when like like the, when he's having a, an attack of conscience and you know they're like well, Esmeralda needs you and she, he's like no she doesn't need me she's got Phoebus uh-huh. like you know like I'm just gonna stay in right I'm gonna just stay in yeah. my watchtower and let this all unfold and yeah man what I was bummed about because I'm a very when it comes to like being energized by something and then sort of want to like go down that rabbit hole I found myself wanting to acquire a Quasimodo plush. <laughs> doll uh-huh. for uh my shelf and it'll help me move later okay alluded to that gotcha um and they're all terrible <laughs> and they're not they're just terrible because number one the hair on the and and anyone listening anyone's still listening <laughs> i encourage you to go to ebay and check them out the hair is basically like fuchsia colored dreadlocks on the, the bulk of them it's not it's not the hair that he had in the movie i mean he was pretty much straight up ginger and, right and the hair is just really not rubber. the other thing is it's one of those dolls that has like a plush body but a hard vinyl <laughs> right so that was that was a tangent but fun trivia is that phoebus's horse was named achilles oh there's a part where he says achilles heel right mm-hmm. that's the only reason why it was named achilles is because for the, that joke the writers love that joke <laughs> i mean i get it not the best joke but i mean you know you got to do what you got to do the horse was funny because he <laughs> commanded the horse to sit several times the horse always sat on one of the guards faces right disney does a really good job at horses and I horse play. I wonder if there's like a um, like a mental floss article or a complex article about like the best horse. I, f- I feel like we could do that. I can only think of two right now. Achilles and... What about Frozen? Oh, yeah. Wait, wasn't Frozen a... There, I was, Sven was the moose, but there was the, the horse that... There was a horse? <laughs> I don't remember. I'll be honest, I did not like Frozen. No? Not really. I saw it, and this happens to me a lot, I saw it after the onslaught of hype that, okay. that preceded it and Maybe it's my fault for jumping on it too late, but when I saw it, I was just kind of like... I think it speaks more toward sisters, you know, because it's definitely a movie about sisterly love. That's true. I do remember walking down and people were like, oh my gosh, that's like the first Disney movie where it's not about, you know, the girl falling in love with the guy and da-da-da. And I was like, no, it's not, jerk ass. Yeah. That's Hunchback. Well, the 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 prince in that one was, he turned heel, right? Like, he was oh, yeah. a bad guy. Yeah. He was super bad guy. And that was like one of, I remember when he was like, because nobody loves you mm-hmm. or something like that. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> so one of okay. the worst things I've ever heard a so prince say. So how did say. it go again? It went Lion King, Hunchback, Toy Story. No, I think what it actually, it was Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback, Tarzan. Oh, Tarzan. And Pocahontas, I forgot Pocahontas. And I think Princess and the Frog was after Toy Story because they were like, the no, Frog. we could still yeah. do animated. Yeah. And they were like, oh, I guess not. So this one, like I said, I thought was very... So back to kind of the crux of the show. Like we, we always come in here and we basically like defend these movies that get a bad rap. And sometimes it's harder than others. Like Street Fighter, I'll certainly admit, not a great movie, but very, very dear to me and has certain redeeming qualities that a lot of people overlook. And it's, very, and it's fun. And it's fun. And like we could recommend it 
it because when you put on Street Fighter and you just and you watch, I mean, I will say Rod Julia is amazing oh, yeah. in that film for sure. Um, you you're gonna have a fun time. Sure. So this movie though, like, I wonder, and I guess the Catholic Church thing is probably a pretty big reason, but I wonder why else it didn't kind of strike the chord that Lion King. I mean, it was really intense. Like this movie, like for all for all the you know like turmoil and struggle with like beauty and all that, right? And the 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 classism of a lad. Like this one just had so many different like flashpoints that the religion, there was self doubt, there was sacrifice and all this. Like that's a lot for a Right. Well and this was gonna be almost Disney's first PG rated movie. Uh, and it's it's funny because you want to say, well they didn't pull any punches with it, but in the same instance they wanted to kill Quasimodo at the end. <laughs> Um, the Disney people did? Yeah. Hmm. So they did pull punches, but I don't know if this movie, while I love it because it's an animated film, I sing Disney when I'm stressed or tired to make me feel better. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's a little piece of trivia for me. But this Disney film, I think, it didn't have as much humor in comedy and probably living animals hmm. as most. That's um, a good point. So, so the kids couldn't really. When everything started getting dark, you couldn't be like, "Oh, I hope the, I hope the zebras are okay." The only know? thing, the only, the only animal that I recall other than the horse was the goat, and the goat really didn't do anything with the pierced ear. Yeah, bit of <laughs> trivia: the voice of the goat, also the voice of Megatron from the Transformers commercial, Fantastic. Uh, cartoons, <laughs> and by that proxy, the voice of Cobra Commander. I'm not saying IMDb trivia is always a good place to go because anybody could add to it, but this apparently is also the Disney film with the least amount of trees. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great bit of useless information. Wow. That's that's like straight up Jeopardy right there. Um, but I do think when it got dark, it didn't really recover for the kids. I think the parents didn't like the, the political overtones. The fact that, you know, Frollo is sexually desiring Esmeralda. I mean, there's like not even subtle about it. No, <laughs> like he literally he you know he he ties her hands behind her back and then sniffs her hair. They basically cut the scene of his, what's the song? Hellfire. Hellfire. They cut right before he goes back into his office and beats <laughs> off. Like that 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 was pretty intense. Yeah, and they I guess they had to keep going back and drawing her in the fire because it kept looking that she was super nude, and uh, so like you have to put clothes on Esmeralda hmm. and his. Um, now she's not like when you see like a, there's a certain like roster of Disney princesses that you see like on merchandise and stuff like that mm. like when it's at Target it's a t-shirt and I'm a princess it's right not all the Disney princesses she's not on most she's not a princess she's just a gypsy oh I guess that's she true. marries a soldier you know so she's not Is becoming Pocahontas a, princess. a princess although she was she a princess? yeah well she was a you know she was an Indian chief daughter okay, so, so I guess you could kind of, kind of consider if, okay yeah I guess that's a good point if the well Native well. Americans knew monarchies. She's She's a squaw, <laughs> I believe. Is I don't know if that's. I don't, is it true though? Squaw. Yeah. I think squaw is. A, it's either a female Indian or a mother. Oh, I didn't know sorry, if it was a Native tribe. American or a mother Native. I will throw out there that I want January to be Native American History Month. Fair. I'm. <laughs> so we've come from the hunchback. Because I have no idea what squaw is. Native American History Month. I think it's a good place to start wrapping things up. Uh, I think so reviews. too. Um, actually, well, the thing is, is this got positively positive reviews so why are we doing it on the show then we're doing it on the show because nobody's seen it okay so we're spreading awareness and this is I, because it's my favorite disney movie and every time i say well my favorite disney movie is hunchback of notre dame people are like oh i missed that one uh, so and i was one of those people until right. now 
And so it's kind of like, then let's let's tell the world, go back, see Hunchback of Notre Dame, fight your inner demons mm-hmm. with Quasimodo, mm-hmm. and send everything into hellfire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Burn Paris down to enjoy the light. Help out your friend, even if he looks like Nickelback. And um... hey, At least he was a better blonde-looking prince than the beast turns into. We don't get many good-looking blonde princes. The resolution of Beauty and the Beast is one... That I am not on board with, I will say, because, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to us, but let's 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 backtrack the whole message. <laughs> We're not wrapping this up, right? Well, now. <laughs> I'll say this quick. Let's backtrack the whole message of beauty. What is it? That when you fall in love, you get beautiful that's what it turns out to be right but basically we're told that real beauty and real kindness real heart and caring is on the whole whole time because the beast is hideous he's scary but he's kind he's gentle so he's a good person at the end when he receives true love's kiss what happens he turns beautiful on the outside so that entire lesson well is not a good looking empirically beautiful i suppose (laughs) this sort of fabio-esque beauty so that entire lesson is negated right the second he turns handsome that's true now on the other hand she would have loved him as a beast though i think so too but that and again i don't know the origin story or anything that but like for me that basically is like however many minutes of real beauties on the inside real beauties inside and then psych (laughs) now he's handsome And assumedly, all over. assumedly, he's still a good person. He's learned his lesson because he starts out the movie hand, and then, but he's a dick, and then he turns into the beast, and he sort of works on his character mm-hmm. and become more passionate and all that. But then he's rewarded with the physical form he had at the beginning. So for me, that kind of I love beauty. I think that's probably one of my favorites. mostly because really? I love Gaston. <laughs> But that whole thing unravels for me. Not just because he's like Fabio, but also it just completely negates. Shrek, on the other hand, what happens in Shrek? She stays an ogre. No, she turns into it. Right. She starts as beautiful princess Cameron Diaz, and then she's originally an ogre. And then when Shrek sort of doesn't take too much stock in her physical falling genuinely, she leaves the chain, physical appearance, whatever. Back to Shrek kind of got it right. Right. That's DreamWorks. That's not Disney. I know. I'm just saying, (laughs) in my opinion, I think Shrek kind of got the result right. I think what I don't like about Beauty and the Beast is there's nobody in that castle that isn't wasn't forced to be there. Also, when everyone turns back human, what do the Beast and Belle do about furniture? Because <laughs> there's no more furniture in the castle. Because the wardrobe turns back into the fat opera singer. There has to be a lot of Lumiere awkwardness turns too. Back into the, or the candlestick turns back into whatever he, the sex crazed pervert Lumiere <laughs> that he was. So there's no more furniture. What? There's no more armoire. No more armoire. No more, um, there was, oh, the the teacups and mm-hmm. the tea kettle so on it's a small oh. it's a small sticking point but it's one of those questions that you just got to ask like you go buy new furniture right and what made people what they were oh like why did they turn into a, clock a candlestick and a yeah candlestick? i think that had a lot to do with their like at the end you sort of see their outward appearance resembles what they do i think i don't remember but like i understand the maid turning into a feather duster that the made sense hot feather duster you mean <laughs> Like the super hot feather duster from Beauty and the Beast? Sure. Yeah. Like the, the Bugs Bunny and girls clothes hot feather duster? I always felt bad for the clock because he had little stubby legs and he had a waddle everywhere. He would have been a good George. He was, he, he was very, True. very consistent. Well, I think, I mean, pretty sure we talked it. We talked it out. I think so. I think um, this this was probably one of, this one we really kind of got deep in. I feel like I had a philosophical conversation <laughs> with you. Like this, this shit could have been done at a coffee house, college. Well, I have coffee. Or at like a poetry. Bed. I think this is probably... Probably our, funny enough, because it's our first Disney, maybe our only Disney. It is. I kind of want to get into Bug's Life at some point. Ah, yes. But 
but uh, this was probably our least humorous yep. film. Yeah. Well, I guess that's pretty indicative of a podcast. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of humor other than some one-liners here. Got the cheese joke there. Right. Not too like much that. gaiety. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of his expense. Like the song that says, you know, you're shaped like a croissant. <laughs> And she might will, like uh, it. Yeah, and he was shaped like a croissant. I was like, they nice made, friends, they man. They made sure to hit you over the head with that with that comparison by holding up a croissant right next to him. In case you didn't know yeah. what a croissant was. All right. So, any final thoughts? I'm I'm honestly, I've got this movie on Amazon for another day. I'm probably going to watch it again. I have it on DVD in case you know your <clears> rental <throat> expires. Final thoughts is just if you haven't seen it. Go watch it, and if you have seen it and you're like, eh, I wasn't too keen on it, rewatch it and just and look at the because you might have went in thinking as I did with Inside Out. I went into Inside Out thinking I was going to have a nice, joyous Pixar time, and I it depressed the crap out of me, and I walked out kind of not liking it. If you did the same thing with Hunchback and Notre Dame, revisit it and just realize that this is not going to be nice. Hap, this is friend zone Disney. <laughs> this that's a good oh that's a great term friend zone Disney. It's like Disney. That that is not gonna, while technically Disney does not give you the Disney feeling. No, it's not true love Disney. Friend this zone is Disney. Friend zone Disney. That's a great place to end because you just coined a completely new term. I'm gonna go add that to Urban Dictionary right now. <laughs> Friend zone Disney. Nice. So I don't think we introduced ourselves at the beginning. By the way, I'm MC. I'm Spro. All right. So next episode is coming up next, and until then, <laughs> this has been the the second chance cinema of uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Dame. And even though we don't really need to say this because we both agree that it wasn't a bad movie, we're going to end the show. Yeah. Big back of Notre Dame. Tom wasn't, uh, wasn't that bad. All right. We will see you guys next time. Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame was produced by, duh, Walt Disney Pictures and Walt Disney Feature Animation. It was distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film's soundtrack, The Bells of Notre Dame. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at 2ngchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ND Chance Cinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen, and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on, and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. Be like Quasimodo, and go out there, strolling by the sand. Enjoy your day out there. Like ordinary men who freely walk about there. That's it. That's all you're getting from me. That's Show Choir 21 years ago. <laughs> Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day.